Cradeline Network. Let's uh. My name is Conrad, alongside my friend Fox, and it's the 238th episode of Space Spinner 2000, podcast where two Americans are to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one with the progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD for December 1993, progs 864 to 867. This time, we're at the end of 1993, so we're finishing things up, we... Get to ends for Cannon Fodder, Time House, Strontium Dogs, while also starting some new stories with Mother Earth, Soul Gun Warrior, and Revere. I see what you mean about Mother Earth, kind of. But also, what I'm most thankful for this Christmas is that there was no Tharg Christmas story. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. You know, I think, you know, we, we definitely have the dread Christmas ones That's, every year, I think. And that is always just enough. Yeah, absolutely. No need to <laughs> no need to over, no need to overdo Tharg, you know. Listen, as as people who have literally combed through this comic to this very point, uh, Tharg Christmas stories, it's good. You don't need to do them. Fair. Yeah, absolutely. Although I'm sure there is one in the winter special, which I'm which we'll oh. be talking about soon enough. I'm anyway, so sorry. Fox. That's yeah, okay. You know, these ancient traditions, it's how it goes. And speaking of ancient traditions. Speaking of people stuck in ancient traditions with the mummies and the whatnot, going back to even more ancient ones than normal, it's Thrill One, Judge Dread. Oh no, I'm stuck <laughs> in quickly sand. I oh, hope I don't get sucked into all this sand and break out some special one. <laughs> Ah, so coarse, buddy. Gets everywhere. (laughs) I hate sand. (laughs) Skip through about Grant Morrison and Mark Miller, Art Robot, Dermot Power, and Carlos Escara letting Robot Tom Frame. Hey, boy. Yeah, we're in Luxor, future Egypt, and Judge Dredd is trapped in the crypt of a pyramid that's swiftly filling with sand. Things look bad, and Dredd prepares to meet his maker and so forth. When as his head slips under the sand, but then that dang mummy's been fighting Kool Aid Man's his way through the wall. <laughs> Thoom! Give me your jeans. Oh yeah. <laughs> Encore. The mummy prepares to suck Dred's precious life juices away because he's got man. all those sweet ass genetic materials that make him real good. That's right. Yeah, he's got those them them Judda helixes that make him real. He's got he's got the kind of genes that would be the envy of any man. Fox acid washed and perfect, especially those with uh, a big old dome. I guess it's weird weird hey, brain part. All that mummy's got is uh, is a bandages, so he needs all the genes he can get. You know? Bandages, I, like bandages, and that like halfway alien inspired head. You know, like the yeah, back yeah, dome. it's, a, it's the same like kind of it. head. No, he's got a big back part of his head, got a peanut head going on, I guess. And yeah, it's the same. It's actually the same build, I think, that they'd later use for um, the skull and the Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull, right? Oh, God. Alien inspirations. You don't have to fucking call back to a shit movie. Shia LaBeouf as it judged Dredd. I'm going to swing through a bunch of vines with monkeys, and then I'm going to try to pick up the hat, and then Harrison Ford's going to say no. And now they're making a new Indiana Jones without Shia LaBeouf. Even older. (laughs) 
Anyway, even runs, even in more of a need of a paycheck. All right, I'm done. Please continue. <laughs> he escapes the temple and gets on the uh, one of these Luxor hover bikes as Angkor wonders if he must be forced to play with his food. Then he again Kool-Aid mans through the wall, this time <laughs> right into the teeth of a lightning bolt from Dredd's electro staff. Lightning bolt. <laughs> But hey, man, the mummy's immortal. He can't die. Dredd is impressed by that, though. He hops on his hover bike and rocket boosts back to the city. (laughs) The mummy leaps onto the vehicle, and they have a mid-air fight. And as they do, they hit something. Both of them go flying off the side of the bike, Dredd landing in some kind of vat with a red splash. Hey, man, he was aiming for recyc. He got to recyc. It's time for a recyc feast, feast, fight, psych. Absolutely, yeah. Dredd's fallen into recyc and is just his fall was broken by a big tub of guts, like literal, just so, like intestines and brains and it's shit. So good. I like that recyc just has giant vats of organs and blood. I mean, they're probably just gonna be repurposed into God knows what gym mats or something. But the mummy's there too. <laughs> gym mats. Yeah, they punch and banter as Dredd escapes on a hanging chain, and the mummy reiterates that he's immortal and wants to eat Dredd, of course. It's, they kind, of his the main, it's kind of his main thing that he does. He's on task, you know. They fight through the conveyor belts of Recyc, but the mummy um, even recovers from getting caught in a mincing machine kind of thing. Yeah, like a big saw blade. Yeah, I mean, standard conveyor belt fight kind of stuff going on here, honestly. If yeah. you see them in We're going towards the big pit, and nothing's stopping us from being on this dead body pit. Absolutely. They end up falling onto the main conveyor, and as they do, Dread breaks his leg. The money, mummy leans in, preparing to take Dread's soul. It prepares to strike. But Dredd thinks fast and rips Angkor's tongue out. Then Judo throws him into the recycle oh, machine. God. And there so he's awesome. Totally. He's methodically taken apart. Not even his immortal body can stop when they just sort of pluck out all of his guts and put them individually wrapped plastic bags. And so stuff. I, I promise not to do too many asides on this, but there is an SCP Foundation um, uh, article Ooh. that someone wrote, which I absolutely love, which is. Um, the end of death, which uh, is somewhat convoluted, but it is a very good story. And effectively, it's like because death ends, if someone is like kind of torn apart or dies or whatever, their body is like eaten by bugs, they actually have to live out and realize all of their atoms being in a bunch of different things at once and kind of never actually their consciousness still is involved with all of those things kind of like having them inside of them in some way. Yeah. And that's how I kind of think of like an immortal being torn apart and turned into a bunch of like, you know, Berber carpets and shit like that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I, I kind of in my mind, I, I imagine that maybe the largest piece or more, some some central piece would then eventually reanimate as the mummy, I guess. Oh, but reanimate as like a floor mat mummy, like a yoga like it mat. Would, it would. Yeah, like it would it would grow back from those atoms or something. Well, but I'm, I'm just I saying I would love I to see, see his character again. Roadmap or uh, roadmap yoga map as a uh, yoga mat as a. Uh, I'm just thinking. I'm just. I'm just. I I just went for yoga mat fox because I rem- I always remember when they talk about like weird chemicals in foods. They're like, oh, like this. You find this chemical in yoga mats too. You know. That's why yoga mats are delicious. I mean, depends on who's been doing the yoga, I guess. 
Oh, <laughs> I just meant chewing on them. But yeah, some of the <laughs> flavor is good, I guess. Anyway, now Dredge and Danger are getting recyced too. He shouts for help. And while the recycle techs are reluctant at first, they do shut down the machines before anything too terrifying can happen. Two days later, Dredd's back in Mega City 1, shrugging off any worries. Sadly, his counterpart, Judge Ramsey, didn't have as easy a time, because it seems the first night out on patrol, he bumped into some mutants who beat him up so bad that he's in mummy bandages. Wah, wah, wah. Wow, what'd you do? Cut yourself shaving? And I love this as like the double entendre, because that dude's wrapped in a bunch of bandages, but Judge <laughs> Dredd's just got one plaster on his chin, and that's it. Yes. <laughs> Hershey asks if it's true that the Luxor tried to feed Dredd to one of their gods, and Dredd says they did, but I didn't agree with them. So let's see some <laughs> real, action. real action. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I love that just because it's like, yeah, I don't give a shit. Let's let's get Yeah, totally. Up. Speaking of, Mark Miller and Carlos Escara take over for our final Dredd story. It's Christmas Eve in Big Meg 1, and Dredd hates Christmas, of course. He orders all the cards sent to him to be recycled, and as the writer of a joke card from one of the dark judges traced and then be arrested on patrol dreads called the gus grissom spaceport who is one of the astronauts that died in the apollo one fire where a man has stowed away on a ship from simba city in central africa he's freezing to death but dread doesn't care and sends him right back because immigration doesn't pause for christmas at least it's not ice oh no oh no Reference accepted, buddy. That's terrible. I feel bad. Looking dad jokes on sensitive topic. Anyway, (laughs) next Dredd's called to a shopping mall where Judge Croft has gone footsie. He's got the future shock. He's gunning people down, even Santa. He's upset that judges can't have normal lives and Dredd shoots him right in the head for it. Yeah, well, he's really knocking him out of the park this Christmas. The gift that keeps on giving. That's J.D. Absolutely. The day is saved and the clock strikes midnight. Everyone cheers and Dredd walks off into the night. But then some drunk tries to give Dredd a Christmas kiss Uh, and Dredd punches him right in the face. He gives him a Christmas cracker, if you know what I mean. Uh, uh, Right in the chops. (laughs) Save your Christmas wishes for someone who cares. The end. Merry Christmas. Hey, Merry Christmas. Next time, Frankenstein Division. That's right. It's going to... The question is, is it going to be about a bunch of monsters like it should be? Or no, is it going to be it's about, a, be bunch about of, a bunch of doctors. A bunch of lame, yeah, lame scientists like like pendants want you to w- want it to be. Listen, Ridiculous. it's going to be a bunch of about a bunch of doctors, not about a bunch of monsters, because I would imagine that they would adapt the material in uh, its most honest form as opposed to the bastardization that it's become. As if I, I have ever kid, I'm going to. I'm going to teach them stridently to believe that Frankenstein is the name of the monster. And anybody who says otherwise is a nerd to be beaten up. His name is Son. His name is Frankenstein. Anyway, (laughs) speaking of characters written in the 19th century, Fox. Oh, God. Wait, is that when Frank? Hold on. I hope. I don't don't know if it's going to be the thing I don't want it to be. Or if it's going to be the thing I do want it to be. <laughs> yeah, 1818. I'm I'm, I'm clear. Yeah. It's thrill to cannon fodder. Oh, thank 
God. Oh, the promised land or lack thereof. <laughs> <laughs> Script about Mark Miller, art about Chris Weston, letter about Tom Frame. London, 2004. Judgment Day caused all the dead to come back to life, but there's no God to judge them. Unhappy with this outcome, a reincarnated Sherlock Holmes and Professor Moriarty have teamed up and are now storming the gates of heaven, only to find heaven has already been pretty well stormed. Man, my favorite part is the horse that has a, like, three-sided mouth on its chest. Mm-hmm. A lot of, lot of weird horse dudes, actually, let in this me, episode. Let me tell you, there is not one thing that I hate about the artwork of this comic book. <laughs> I mean, it's very much, we're very much in the, I mean, like in uh, in this Killing the, Time, that Indigo Prime this story. This is the Lord Humongous of comic book art. Yeah, Chris Weston very much going crazy, drawing some deeply disturbing and, and ridiculous images in the course of uh, this stormed heaven. It's so excellent. beautiful. Um, yeah, the gates of heaven have been torn down. And there's hanged bodies and bloody monsters all over the place. Crucified saints and demon riders on demon horses. Amazing art here. Very off-putting and weird, all these demons are, as we said. But they all just stand back and let Holmes and Morty pass by. Well, Morty yeah. appropriately Murray worried that everything's dead and they could be out of their league here. Oh, I don't know, Holmes. Things are looking pretty bad around here. We should be listen, shut up, Moriarty. Like <laughs> you're really ruining the vibe, man. We're gonna we're gonna go kill God. Fantastic. <laughs> they enter the palace of God and find I'm surprised the they devil. haven't done that joke, by the way. Anyway, please continue. Me too. Yeah, come on. And they find the devil in black and purple leather with big black boots over his cloven hooved and a, and a shiny horn gas mask. And a skull in front of his penis that's also connected to a tube that's connected to the floor. Like, I don't know what to think about that. It's, it's a lot. It's Absolutely. a vacuum cleaner is what it is. Oh, he's got, he's stuck in that one uh, dirty joke about the, uh, the guy. Well, he's not where- stuck in it. He's enjoying There's it. holes in the walls, and one of them is attached to a milking machine that doesn't stop till it gets 30 gallons. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, my um, God. Anyway. Oh, my God. <laughs> He's sitting there getting vacuum-sucked on the throne of the <laughs> Almighty. His <laughs> word yeah. bubbles are are black with white text. Which you know I love. Absolutely. And he skinned and minged God. Oh, how he did scream. He was a real, like, real, uh, and then he was not happy about it, and I did it, and I'm the devil. Look at me. That's, Don't worry about it. And then yeah. they show Mor- the corpse of God. <laughs> well, first, Moriarty's very unable to accept this, demanding to know who this dark figure is and what he's done with uh, God. It's the, the fucking devil. devil. Are you fucking serious? <laughs> Get a grip, buddy. I I do want to call out that the devil has a tiny little flying uh, cannon goblin flying around. It's the old, his his main appearance in this prog. Well, that's that's but, because he's a he's a huge like goblin fire deck fan, you know. <laughs> oh, uh, devil's all about red deck wins, buddy. <laughs> As we see. Meanwhile, we see God rolls with some sort of uh, of a red blue combo because he's p- got a big purple there, body. There is nothing been- I love more than this visage of God, other than the next visage of God. <laughs> Absolutely, he's crucified and being taken apart by demonic spaceships. God's dead. Meanwhile, in hell, Canon, Dr. Watson, and Mycroft Holmes are heading through the uh, infernal plains, only to find it very gross, knee-high with yellow liquid of some kind, but also very empty, which is unusual. <laughs> Except, of course, for one... Oh, sorry, go ahead. 
Oh, no, I was going to say, they're wading through puke. It's dope. Yeah, gross. They're, they find one guy left who's just a torso and arms with a thousand wires it pulling is him taut so in a beautiful. thousand directions. It is such yeah. a beautiful artwork, and I fucking love it because I know how long that must have taken. Totally. He explains that hell has at last risen up to destroy heaven, and they've been successful. You guys suck. The crew heads off, leaving this guy behind. And as he explains that no one likes him, we learn that he is, in fact, Judas Iscariot. He's got the red hair and everything. I, I do really love that we finally come into Aeon Flux in 2000 AD. Totally. <laughs> The crew crosses the bridge to heaven and things get weird in between and then arrive to find Holmes and Moriarty flayed and stretched across the gate of heaven, their skin stitched together and heads still intact inside of it. I oh, mean, it's cool. at least they're together, right? You know, yeah. that's what they kind of wanted, I guess. So Watson is bereft and Mycroft just spits in his brother's dead face. Okay. The Devil watches all this behind his glass owl eyes of his gas mask and says, let's begin. And then the monsters burst forth. I like they the 1985 pull. reference that comes on in here. What? Yeah, the 1980, oh, sorry, 1984 reference where the, the, the rats are inside him. Oh, yes, of course. They pull Watson deep into the ground as a swarm of rats attack Mycroft and he begs to have his straight jacket removed. I think could you could remove it at any time, bro. I'm just saying. There was tough talk previously. <laughs> um, um, after an ad for the Spider-Man and the X-Men video game on um, all major systems. Fox, Which is pretty plays, good. Uh, it's fine. Super Nintendo and Genesis. It's or fine. Mega Drive, I, guess. I, I never yeah. was fully impressed with this. I liked Iron um, Man well enough, I guess. Yeah, that's okay. Um, Cannon prepares to take all these jerks out, but then a, a demon sneaks up from behind him and cuts his right arm and gun off. Yeah, and then, and, like, breaks a bat on the back of his head, which is like, god damn. Yeah, he gets clubbed and knocked out as Moriarty's getting eaten out from... Oh, geez, let me say that again. As <laughs> no, that's Moriarty, staying in. Future Conrad, <laughs> that's staying in. That's staying in. As Moriarty is eaten from the inside out by rats and Watson has sunk shoulder deep into the ground, a rat jumps inside Mycroft's mouth as Cannon is impaled by three spears. He starts to say a Hail Mary, but the devil appears and lets him know she's dead too. I mean, we all... Yeah... She died like a really long time ago, bud. No, but she's dead and she's dead in heaven too. That's what I mean, Fox. Dead in heaven just gets you to extra heaven. That's my. I mean, the only assumption. Super heaven at yeah, last. I mean, uber heaven or whatever you believe in. Depends if you're sure. fair enough. Ah, uh, let's fight. Uh, so. <laughs> Lucifer's beaten up Cannon. He's held in place by demons, and Cannon keeps calling out the Lord as Satan keeps reminding him that he's dead. We're back to the first episode. He's getting the shit beaten out of him by a cloven hoofed, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've, daddy uh, of a devil. We've squared that circle for sure. I, I thought love it. because the devil calls him old boy in the first one that that might have actually been Sherlock Holmes inside there, but no, all devil. Nah, he's just got a he's got a penchant for uh, yeah. He's vaguely English, as I think we all know, just based on Hollywood movies and stuff. I mean, also, he, just in case you didn't notice, Popeye the Sailor Man was also in this watching on as the dude got choked out. Guy. No, I'm not even kidding. He's got the ridiculously oversaturated right? arms, like the forearms, with <laughs> totally. the anchor symbol. He's wearing the full thing. Corncob pipe. Have, I'm not fucking with you. It's here. amazing. 
<laughs> Satan throws Cannon through a wall with a spatunch, and he's surrounded by flies and sexy muscle demons. Can- or muscle demons, I should say. Cannon tries to fight back, but it's no use as Satan goes in for the big moog, demanding that he denounce the creator, say you love the devil, and if you live, you and if you do, you can live, refuse, and die. The devil prepares to burst Cannon's eyes like pickles when there's a huge kadoom! Melting leg. Demons are being burst by golden light. What's happening? Don't you know? God's back, motherfucker. I love (laughs) this may make best art for me in a lot of ways, simply because so little is ever made of God's visage in all of the things. But this is pretty hilarious and great. God's just a big purple coexist bumper sticker with six yes. arms, a sweet guitar, and an Illuminati like a eyed pyramid coming out of oh, its no, back. Oh no, there's a bunch of stuff on here. There's a Mickey Mouse symbol. There's a bunch of like there's a bunch of shit. That's what I mean. Don't sorry. Do you it know is? those like those, no, no, those, the those, those coexist ones. Yeah, one but where Mickey they Mouse spell the word coexist using all of the yeah. religious symbols? Yeah. It's yeah, beautiful. Yeah. No, but you're right. Yeah, you're right. Every symbol that anybody could conceivably worship from Money to entertainment to various graven images is also drawn on God here. I'll be he's got a pistol in one of his hands, he has a gun. (laughs) Yell at me if I don't use this as the album art for this one, everybody. It's Um, really good. Um, so the devil, so God's back, the devil is pissed. God should be dead, but God makes the fair point that they created death, and you know, as they uh then pick up the devil by the cape. They go full Job explaining that they created everything, so don't put on airs, and then flick the devil's head right off, because the devil just isn't interesting anymore. Then, the creator of the universe turns their eyes to Canon, asking why he should be let to live. Oh, God. Uh, what is the purpose of Canon? of humanity and canon responds simply humans are pawns in a game created by an even greater being than god and key to understanding the greatest riddle who created god and this seems to work it's such a so it's the weakest way to end this but it's also the funniest way i feel like god's like whoa i hadn't thought about whoa bro (laughs) like he just he just took a big old dank hit and he's like who did make me now I've got to make Watson transcribe all of my life history. Absolutely. Yeah, God's gathered all the greatest minds of human history to figure it out. Watson recounting lives, including, of course, the final adventure of his dear friend Sherlock Holmes. But what of canon, Fox? We see him in a huge battle truck slash convention booth where it seems uh, UK Prime Minister John Major is confessing to lying to people. Oh, really? About... The, uh, the the green shoots of recovery appearing, which appears to be a uh, a bit of a catchphrase of John Major, because he said it in 2012 as well. Cannon's not pleased by all this. Yeah, Burst it's hard through the confession booth money. with a gun. Oh, man. You can take that well, out. Well, you know, I don't know if, I don't know if Major did, whatever. Anyway. <laughs> Burst through with a gun to give the Prime Minister 500 Our Fathers and a dozen decades of the Rosary. We see a cannon now as a sweet golden robot hand and he prepares to roll out. Let us pray. Oh my God, he's the new claw. <sighs> the end of Cannon Fodder, Fox, but Cannon Fodder will return in 1996, the oh, distant future. Thank God, because this was great. <laughs> it's just some, some silliness, but that moment. 
of uh, God is back. Oh, that's so that's such a, a, a real key moment, Fox. I love that so much. The more I've stewed on the whole like Moriarty and, and Sherlock Holmes going out to kill God, mm-hmm. the more I love it. And the twist being uh, God's dead. Actually, wait, counter twist. God's not dead. Mm-hmm. Really, really good. I, it's it's so stupid and irreverent and it's completely yeah. it completely knows what it's doing. This is what comedy looks like. Um, and I'm staring down my glasses at you. <sighs> Another comment. Let's not get there yet, Fox, because we've still got to deal with some different uh uh, people dealing with the uh, with the after effects of uh, deaths and returns to life and oh, so yeah. forth. Oh yeah. So we go to thrill three strontium dogs. I'm gonna do a big demon fight with my dad, and then I'm gonna say a bad line, and then my dad's gonna be dead. <laughs> Skift robot Garthenis, art robot Nigel Dobb, and letting robot Glib. The Gronk and Feral are on a quest of, for revenge against the evil Lyran sorcerers. It's going moderate as a massive assault by the Gronk has forced the Lyrans to merge into a giant black bat dragon thing with a skeleton coming out the top. Always, <laughs> aim, the- always yeah. aim for the top skeleton. That's yeah, the weak that's point. The, it, it might as well be glowing red, Fox, frankly. Yeah. The lads know the sorcerers get their power from the cocoons in the caverns below, so the plans for Pharaoh to hold the Lyrans off while the Gronk destroys them. There's a bloody claw, there, and so we get some bloody claw fighting as Gronk lays a bunch of napalm snares around the place. Pharaoh and his dad, Charnel, trade some barbs as Pharaoh hamstrings the monster, but it comes back with some spell gibberish, calling Feral to basically have a slain-style warp spasm. Whoops. But instead of becoming a weird muscle man, he turns into a toothy dick monster. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm going to jump into my father's mouth as this weird dick monster. <laughs> Feral's not taking his transformation well as the Lyrans notice the Gronk is laying all these charges. They go to stop him, but Feral's not fully out of it and attacks this bat dragon, ripping a massive hole in the monster. The Gronk has the charges set to 10 minutes and heads back to find Pharaoh, walking into a giant H.R. Giger monster fight. Yeah, which is, I, it's the coolest part, but then there's other better H.R. Giger shit that happens later in the comic, so it's kind of... I mean, again, I've seen God, and it's really cast, it's really <laughs> it's requiring <laughs> everybody else to up their game, Fox, I, honestly. I, I completely honest with you, yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> um... Anyway, Gronk quickly realizes that one of the beasts is Feral and uses a number three cartridge to blow the skeleton off the top of the monster. It's the weak point we discussed. That seems to snuff out their magic at least for a bit, and Feral returns to his normal form. They gotta get out of here, though. The bombs are going off in five minutes. Listen, bro, you're nude, and we need to leave. Weird. I mean, the Gronk's always always nude, for the record. Oh, wow. I wasn't even going to... I didn't even think of the Gronk. But yeah, no, they're both, we're both nude and we need to leave. <laughs> Just a bunch of naked boys making their way through the world, Fox. Feral making comes your to way in the-, the world today takes every nude you've got. Making my way to the spaceship, walking fast, something. <laughs> something helps a lot. I'd blow up a thousand castles. <laughs> Sometimes you want to go where everybody doesn't know that you're a space demon. Bam, 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 bam. Fantastic. Also, life doesn't. Uh, uh, never mind. I love you. 
Your, jo- your job's a joke. You're broke. And the Gronk's oh. life is DOA. Oh. That's what I was trying to get to. That's, I, you know what? <laughs> I'll be there for you for this for these song references, buddy. Pharaoh comes to when the Gronk, and he and the Gronk am scray from the temple, making out as the explosion goes up. They turn back to look at it because they are not cool. And what's, and what's that? Wait a minute. The sun oh, of this God. solar system's getting weird, too. Maybe the Lyrans were enchanting that as well. And the burning skeleton of charnel shows up and says you don't know the half of it he man so listen conrad this is my Mm -hmm. least favorite part of this comic book which is when it's like i'll fucking slash you or whatever and he's like father grabs his head pulls it off shut up that's your that's your line just shut up (laughs) like so cool. The lads stumble to their ship and fly off just as the Lyran star goes supernova. It's like they blew up hell itself, the Gronk says, but Farrell disagrees because he's been there. Strontium dogs will return. The end. What? It doesn't need to, does it? I mean, does any of it need to, Fox? Answer there... yes sometimes. But yeah. in this case, we'll have a new writer on here Um, in a summer of 94. Okay. I hope it's... Not this. More of this would be bad. Mm, you know, we're on the road to the end of Strontium Dogs, but it won't be finished up until right at the end of the 900s, I believe, right before Prague 1000. Anyway, uh, you know what else is a monster fox? Sort of technically? Well, let me, uh, or, let me hey, see. Hey, you know what's furry and always naked, Fox? Answer, Bigfoot. <laughs> Here, let me, let me see if I can do this. Well, hello there, friends. One time, I had a lot of people in my house, but now, everyone's living inside of me. And I don't even know what time it is. But let me tell you, we're going to figure it out today on the Time House. Three four, Time House. Gift robot Peter K. Hogan, <sighs> art robot Tim Ballard, letting robot Alita Fell, fucking Time House. Fucking One story. One story in Time House is trying to deal with a stray UFO. It actually gets knocked to dinosaur times. Another story is trying to deal with a Bigfoot chieftain and getting him back to his people. They're taking a shortcut to the Battle of Little Bighorn, where Bigfoot picks up a feathered headdress, which I'm not that sure about. This leads them to a pirate ship of some kind, where they're almost keel-hauled until they're picked up by the UFOs or the stories have merged. But they don't know how to fly it, so it bounces around a bit to a couple other time periods until finally landing at their destination, British Columbia Xmas, Christmas Day, 1993. Time House moves to the second to last spot as Santa shows up and leads the Bigfoot in song. The crew splits up as Father Time arrives back at the Time House and things get recapped. There's various time-based jokes and then the Bigfoots arrive en masse on the Time House. Okay, the crew split up again. Uh, the <laughs> UFO team goes back to 1954 to inspire Elvis to become a singer and the others fly off. Meanwhile, Father Time gets on the phone to God about making Bigfoot's a myth. And so instead, they're relocated to Tibet to become yetis. All well, all's well that ends well. Though it seems Time has hired a new assistant named Ruby Tuesday. And she's currently being harassed by Casanova. So that ties up all the loose ends. Luckily, he trips over the Ark of the Covenant, which is a fresh new send, but that's a story for another day. The end. I hate Time House. Time House will return in December of 1994. No! 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 Conrad, next next thing. Next thing, Conrad. The only reason I'm laughing is because you're very good at recapping the thing. I hate Time House. Anyway, hey, let's... 
<laughs> I'm smiling ear to ear, but because your delivery is very good, it's like this sucks. Let me tell you. <laughs> let's let's uh, move on. Let's wash the taste of that out of our mouths with some very um, um, bland and normal. Oh, thank God! Thrills, covers, and nerve centers. Oh, the coffee beans to my like. What is it? Perfume. There's place. I want to say for the record, Fox. There's a like all of these stories have had a lot of action, and I don't really like to to, to recap like punch for punch fights and stuff like that. Yeah, or but... they've been time house, which I don't really want to. I don't want to get too granular <laughs> with. And so, because well, why of that, would you? Because it's so. It's just so. I yeah. hate it. I'm just I'm I'm just looking at the at the at the fact that we're like 30 minutes in and already at kind of the halfway point and being like oh this might be a short one okay I mean that, listen that, you're that's a, why I I appreciate how much you are a surgeon and you are trying to excise <laughs> the tumor and let's get to the benign tumor that is yeah hey, I'm always a fan of these non oh, no, prog H- it's yeah. benign. Drug 864, Gary Erskine draws a very intense close-up of Can in his mouth so doing some teeth. weird stuff. So much teeth. <laughs> Absolutely. Cry havoc and let's slip the dog collars of war. Cannon okay. says, bless you, my son. Because those white collar things the priest has called dog collars. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, that's it's it's I feel like it might be more British terminology, actually, or something that I've I've heard more in Britain, I guess. Um anyway, uh in the nerve center. Tharg shows us the cover of the winter special featuring a bunch of characters, including Daudamoto. What the oh, heck? Oh, God. What more does she have to endure? I don't. I, I guess the last time I saw her was a tech story and she was still pregnant. So I guess she's still got to pop out this <laughs> alien kid. What, we're going to see her go through dilation? Like, this is not what I need. Ah, full miracle, man. I don't know. I'll I'll report back after I've covered the winter special. Buddy. It should be fun. <laughs> Let's um, keep moving. Yeah, Tharg also explains that cannon fodder was an emergency call-up story. As apparently, forty-eight pages of the clown two were lost in the mail on the way to the letterer, which uh, sounds uh, terrible. I mean, I so I hate that their work was lost. I think that we are better for it. Well, I mean, we're still going to get it, I guess. We won't see The Clown 2 until April of next year. And I think it might, oh. and apparently, the lost pages are from episode four onwards. So it might be interesting to see if the art to, like takes a hit or something like that after that point. Or maybe I, they I, find the, the, the pages. Who knows? Or, or maybe it's just the same shit over and over again. Well, we'll see. Words. Yeah. Mid-prog, there's an ad for my beloved Tharg clock. As well as Dread Batman 2 Vendetta in Gotham. <laughs> I'm excited. I love Soon that enough. there's the jump and punch. You know, it's my Absolutely, favorite. Yeah. It's my favorite. Um, oh, God. Why am I forgetting it? Yeah. Uh, no, it's, it's just a Troy, move, buddy. The Battle of Troy. You know, they're always jumping and, oh, yeah. jumping and spearing. Yeah, yeah. The, the Brad Pitt Troy is a lot of jump attacks for sure. And I think the Mike McNola cover for this one might be the best of the Dread Batman covers, honestly. It's um, very good. In the, ner- yeah. in the nerves, or um, sorry, in the uh, in the input page, Dread yells at a clown as letters yell at Tharg for using radiation radiation warning colors and the logo of Prog 858. There's mention of the out-of-order pages that we know is in Prog 857. Um, appreciation for the general horny levels of slain and just some general attempts at comedy gibberish. The prog ends with a thrill archives pinup this time of Sam Slade Robo Hunter with art by Cliff Robinson. Meh. I mean, Cliff Robinson, yes, great. 
Alex and Cliff Robin, and this is sort of the Casanova's version of Sam, I should say. Brug 865, anchors away. Dermot Power, or sorry, Ancors away. Dermot Power draws the mummy, about to get the drop on Dread in the halls of Recyc. And the nerve center, Tharg plugs the upcoming thrills and a new Chinese restaurant, apparently, um, near the offices, plus a slain poster prog. The input page has a picture of the Wings of Justice, which is Dread on it the like, United States seal. It I is guess? creepy as hell. Indeed. Letters request a mug and say Tharg is Reg from Coronation Street, compliment Book of the Dead, and another letter asked about the whereabouts of Fox's boyfriend, Johnny Kiss. Where is that guy? Where what is Johnny Kiss? I love Johnny Kiss. You won't Johnny see him from 1995. Kiss. I know. That's why I said he was your boyfriend in my notes. <laughs> who names themselves? Who is the... If you name yourself Johnny Kiss and you are kissable, you, I mean, I want to be your it's boyfriend. Cause, it's because he's an assassin and when he kills people, you know, Do you he gives know, them a I kiss I know he death. does that, but he's also very hot. Absolutely. Meanwhile, a mom is reading 2000 AD and we learn that Tharg spells back, spelled backwards is Grat, which makes you think. The prog ends with an ad for the Dread poster prog and a Thrill Archive pinup of the clown, and you can really see the dick, see his dick in it. I'm not going to lie here, Fox. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you always can, right? You you really can. 866, a burning charnel is mad as hell as Nigel Dobbin draws a fiery Father's Day cover. In the nerve center, Thug pl- uh, plugs next issue's thrills and gives instructions for fan art submissions. Black ink, no pencil, no colored paper, no tracing. The input page is a dread covered in demons and stuff with a big axe. Letters question the concept of a mug, argue that Johnny um, that Johnny Alpha and indeed all characters who die should stay dead. And I agree. And yeah. Mark says there's no plans for um, to bring Johnny back, but that will not always be the case. Yeah, a letter clearly. calls out Tharg. For giving out far cheaper prizes these days than the two pound and ten pound ones in the early days of the comic. Apparently, with inflation, the ten pound prize would now be an eighty-four pound prize, which I think is nice. I mean, that's that's great money. (laughs) Yeah, but even today, but it's not what they give. Um, and, um, also, um, another complaints that 2000 AD is advertising on the soap opera home and away instead of the more, uh, classical coronation street or East enders, the prog ends with a mother earth centric preview of the coming stories and a badass thrill archive pinup of Harry Exton from Button Man, Man. my boo, Button Man two coming in 94, buddy, get ready. Cannot wait. Yeah. I hope it's as visually brilliant. Of course, I, I'm positive it will be. Prog 867. Oh, I, I kind of like this one because it, it is, is just good this dark Christmas story. And he's a very like classical Father Christmas here and just visiting all of the production droids as they lie snug in their beds. Colin McNeil responsible for this one. And again, I think it's just, it's nice. The giant gloves really make it, I feel like. Mm-hmm. In the nerve center, Tharg is a Santa hat, and he complains that everyone's taking this Christmas breaks and stuff and tries to roll out the new stories this uh, Prague without using the word thrill because editorial says that it's said too much and I say boo use that approved verbiage adhere to brand guidelines exactly it's a thrill god damn it yeah in the input page there's a picture of Judge Zool of the in- of the nth dimension a play on the uh, Amiga and later um, other console game Zool Ninja of the nth dimension which is apparently a shockingly difficult game. Oh. 
letters express confusion about the Stallone movie Demolition Man. Like, how many future cops can one guy play in a five-year period? Other uh, letters compliment... <laughs> apparently a lot. Other letters compliment Garth Ennis and Greg Staples. Ask out a girl named Danielle. Wonder why there's so many blue people in 2000 AD and request a mug for Christmas. I feel the like prog- there's not that many uh, blue people. There's some, I mean, you got the, you, you, you got your, uh, your genetic infantry men, right? Your, 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 your rogue troopers and whatnot. I'm just saying less than other colors or uh, sorry, Kana- blue more than other colors, certainly, but I would prefer the other colors more if that makes sense. Yes. I mean, you know, there's certainly more human colored people than there are blue people, I guess, but of the people that are not, not human colors, blue is a common one, I mm-hmm. guess. And then the prog ends with a pinup by Paul Marshall of a drunken Bert, drunk, uh, soused in, with oil, using a mop on his head to do a Tharg impression, but Tharg is in behind him and not pleased. This is just enough Tharg for Christmas for me, and I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Fox. Speaking of just enough. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Let's uh, let's let's move through some one shot stories here. Just ones that appear just in our final prog. So there's only one entry for him getting started. Thank you, buddy, for that assist, by the way. I appreciate absolutely it. Absolutely happy with Thrill Five Soul Gun Warrior. What the fuck? Yep. Script robot Alan McKenzie. Art robot Shaky Kane to Shaky 2000. Letting robot Steve Potter. Oh, boy. Earth, 1994, the Space Shuttle Enterprise, which was a real space shuttle, but only used in astrophoric flight tests of the space shuttles and hasn't been flown since 1977. But anyway, it's making re-entry, and both the astronauts and Houston say things are good to go, but the ship is clearly dropping metal panels off the back. It's got a UTI. Mm. Oh, sorry, URI. Both the astronauts and Houston say things are green, but suddenly a red light goes up and the fault's identified as a URI. But no one actually seems to know what that is, I guess. Which I they made they made the space machine. Yeah, someone programmed that into the computer. You think they know? <laughs> it's someone in Houston knows what the fuck that is. That's their job. I guess not. As the ship starts to break up on re-entry, going in nose first and crashing into Earth with a mighty batoom. Suddenly, hello, Mr. President. I am <laughs> The ship has crashed. No one knows why. Ground control better start calling presidents and families. And at the White House, the president gets a call from death, destroyer of worlds himself, Robert Oppenheimer, as you say. <laughs> Mr. President, it would be very nice to meet you at your next political engagement, and you should clear your schedule because I have a very important thing to tell you all about the NASA mission, and obviously this is some foreboding because I am a shadowed person when you are in light, and so very clearly you should be making some time for me because I'm already dead by the time that this would have fucking actually happened. Can't stress enough, Robert Oppenheimer died in 1967, Fox. <laughs> just fucking what's going on? Also, I love that he's he's there at a ribbon-cutting ceremony for the Atomic City. What a good idea. We're in the fallout I guess fucking so. 76 timeline now. Katoma City, speaking of Miracle Man. Anyway, Whoa. next time, Atomic City. <laughs> yeah, take me down to Atomic City where the girls are green and the grass is gritty, Fox. Oh, oh, won't you please <laughs> take me home? 
Anyway, speaking of uh, problems on the planet, let's go to oh. Thrill Six Mother Earth. So, what if you took um, Captain Planet and made Gaia the central badass character instead of Captain Planet? That's really and combined. Oh, and with co- Samus Aran. Right, and uh, and uh, Dan dares so that you only have uh, genocide-based solutions to all your problems. I mean, literally, the computer says nuke the planet. Absolutely, yeah. So Barney at 2080.org says the script is by Paul Neary and someone named Jay. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Anyway, cool to see Cliff Robinson do interior art here, Fox. Um, He's done a ton of covers for 2080, but this is the first oh, the time art, he's done something. The art is fantastic. Yeah. The art again, this, like I, I love that finally we're getting into kind of like MTV style artistry that I'm seeing here. Mm-hmm. The story. Yeah, this is the first time he's done interior art since Prague 631. Actually, so it's sort of you know fun to see him back. Yeah, yeah, indeed. The story, the words. In a previous timeline, Fox, in 1945, a Ragnarok missile exploded on takeoff, sending radioactive dust across the Earth's atmosphere, killing off all the sea plankton and thus life itself eventually. The few remaining scientists built a time probe to send a woman back in time to establish a new non-shitty timeline. The first mission was to go back and prevent these homo superior proto-humans from evolving via techno-mystical laser genocide. Yeah, you'd be surprised. I, I know that this is the second time I brought up the SCP universe, but not uncommon to go and fuck with another timeline. So. Indeed, I'd imagine. Yeah, um, so instead of homo superior, homo sapiens become the dominant um, form of life on Earth. And um, mother, and uh, this lady gets back into her time probe and goes back, which is now a self-sustaining high-tech time womb. It seems now she's warping around time, preventing various attempts to uh, naturally or unnaturally create Homo Superior and protect the world itself. Um, this what, includes what does killing she eat the dude. 19th- or drink? I don't know, buddy. The time, time? The time womb, is it amniotic fluid? So maybe she just gets all of her nutrients? I guess so. You know, maybe she just took all the bodies of the Homo Superior as well and oh, has been did, sort of did like chowing a, on those. Mm, love cannibalism. Anyway, continue. Pretty much. I, well, it, listen. <laughs> ah. ah. Homo, well, well, no, no. I, I guess she's descended from Homo Superior. Yeah, so. she can't eat those. It would be cannibalism for her, whereas for you and me, it would just be like eating any other monkey, which I, I believe is frowned upon, uh, but ape, still thank not you very cannibalism. Much. Fair. You win this one, friend. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, she has to prevent a, a, the terrible future that she comes from. She must be Mother Earth. That's the title. She wakes up. In the year 2000 AD, the distant future, her speech has been adjusted to current norms, which means I think she's saying scrag for swear words. You got some future swearing? Yeah. I mean, they fed it through her neocortex or whatever the hell. Okay, even even Galleon Babylon, buddy. Listen, buddy, um, I'd like, I'm just saying what they're saying. <laughs> totally. Yeah, no, no, you're right. Um, anyway, she wakes up to see the global pollution is at near critical levels, and it seems that her current mission, like, she's got to fix it, 
possibly just through murder, but that'll take years. <laughs> and after suggesting a neutron bomb, her ship's AI instead suggests getting some help. Meanwhile, ay ay ay, we need some Power Rangers. Buddy, I literally <laughs> tell me you wrote it. I literally said get three teens with attitude. <laughs> Alpha, Rita has escaped. We need five teens with attitude. Meanwhile, at a share house in Islington, which is a borough of London, a trio of of wastrels, Joe, <gasps> Tricks, and Big Dad Beetleborgs. It's not oh, even no. fucking Power Rangers. They're- it's an offshoot. They're watching Flipper when suddenly Dex is possessed by Mother Earth. Their house is over a powerful ley line, so they've been selected to help her. So come on down, find some, and she'll find some hits for Big them. Bad at, Beetleborgs. <laughs> at St. Martin's Church, which I believe is actually St. Martin in the Fields, which has a kind of an eco name, so it's appropriate. They head there at 3 a.m., and not sure what's going on, but they find Mother Earth looking all cool and mystic tech. Well, she's sitting, sitting in lotus position yeah, above the altar. On a cross that has, you know, a painted like snakes well, and a painted window. And well, stuff. so here's the thing. That is the um oh, what's the name of it? Wait, because it's it's the, a caduceus it's, or yeah, whatever, right? A, the, a uh, the the, the it, doctor symbol. A caduceus staff, yeah. So it's it's like the medical staff, right? Plus also rainbow which i'm like okay like i'm into this it's like christ plus health plus hey listen man you can be whatever you want i'll mention that uh this church does not have that stained glass window which no I'm it about, doesn't that's a pretty i'm boss. more than certain that a, that a, a fucking church like this does it's, not have it's pre- it's pretty pagany for a church in downtown london <laughs> it's for a church right off trafalgar and, square and, or whatever uh, too accepting of pronouns apparently Whereas I'm like, this is the church that I want to walk into. (laughs) Anyway, Mother Earth explains that the planet's dying and she needs three teens with attitude to help stop Listen, you're going to look like Beatles. You're going to go into VR. It's fine. You're going to fight some stuff that we bought from a Japanese company. It's it's cool. Anyway, it's a request, not an order. As the kids start to evaporate, the discussion will continue at my place. Consent is not something you need for time uh, correction, I guess. Yeah, next time, going underground. But we're in the, in, the, in the space? Hey, speaking of going to strange new places, Fox. Oh, I'm into it. Uh, yes. Oh, yes, finally. Yes. 307 Revere. <sighs> Felt so good to be back. It's so weird and good. Absolutely. Yeah. Scripture about John Smith, art about Simon Harris, and letter about Jack Potter. Previously, Revere took a leap of faith from the roof of a decaying car park after a fight with the evil Captain Neil of the Lanzers after his girlfriend was kidnapped by a mysterious witch, wo- witch woman. And as we get into Revere Fox, I can't stress enough that the art for this is that Simon Harrison mix of like amazing and disturbing. It's I really love it. awesome. Like, I don't like looking at it, but I can't look away. It's so good. And um, so I don't know. disturbingly good. I believe I've mentioned it since we've talked about it, but there is a Revere digital collection on uh, the 2000 AD store. Um, so you know, worth the purchase. It's like eight pounds. It's not that bad. Like, I think that's like, like 12 bucks or something. Um, highly recommended just to see some of this stuff. It's really great and hard, hard to describe. And so I'd rather if just you, let it do. If you love HR Giger, this is, yeah. this is like truly the homage. 
It's great. Absolutely. Um, so Neil is standing on top of the car park, looking out over the sunset on the semi-destroyed London, sort of the sky turning red and then darker red. He's still rattled by the leap Revere took, but we learn that the Baron is here. And it seems that the mother head, which was the head of uh, Revere's, you know, magically preserved mother, um, captured last, um, ver- last, um, last version of Revere has woken up. Meanwhile, Revere himself wakes up in another realm. He remembers falling, but instead of crashing to Earth, he finds himself in a strange, cloudy place. He stands there for an hour until, until winged feet, winged creatures begin to arrive. They strip him of his clothes and carry him over a strange dreamscape forest. I'm saying strange a lot. There's a lot going on with it. Um, I mean, it's indescribable not- in a lot of ways. Yeah. He's now dressed in black leather with a white cloth over his hair, and he's here for an audience with the king. In a cha- in a dark chamber, Revere is announced to Lord Thanatos. Revere is the wild boy, the water carrier. He's beckoned closer as Thanatos, a spider centaur being, riding atop a shiny black giant scorpion appears. That's beautiful. He says... He is the Pale Rider, Concealer of the Clear Lights, Lord of Darkness and Endings. He is death. And it's great to meet you because this is the dawning of the age of Aquarius. We definitely talked about Aquarius. (laughs) Revere is the Aquarian. He called and Thanatos calls him that a couple times for sure. Um he knows Revere is afraid. Everyone is. So he hands the Aquarian a black rose. And that seems to break Revere out of a trance. He realizes that he is alive and that his leap of faith took him out of life and into the afterlife bodily. He's still alive here in this land of death. And Thanatos says he is here to confront the Kerygma triad, the three paradoxes of great untruths. And I'll say that uh, Kerygma which I'm probably not pronouncing right, is a term used by theologians to describe the proclamation of the divinity of Jesus. Um, He's here to learn the state of all things, all beginnings and endings shall be in him. Thanatos says that he admits that this is just more riddles. And Revere asks about his lover, Chloe. And while Thanatos hasn't seen her directly, he says Revere will see her shortly and that she is currently in a state between life and death. Um, you know, he'll see her soon, but this is a place of miracles and raw chaos. And to enter it, he must slay the demon guardian of the gates, the Huichtigra, which has way more eyes than you might expect. And also says the coolest thing that you could expect from something that looks like this. <laughs> Suddenly something giggles behind Revere and he draws his sword. It moves in the corner of his eye. Suddenly, and I think it, this is either the Huichiga itself or it's Thanatos again. It's hard to tell, but there's a creature bathed in golden light, six weird bug legs full of claws and fang mouths highlighted in golden brightness. His word bubble becomes a watery splash with red letters. Now, let's see what you can do. Hell yeah. Next time, First Blood. First Blood. Oh, this is a fun story. Neat stuff. Fox oh, I'm and excited. Like a real capper also on this year John Smith has had of just these amazing stories and stuff. Absolutely. I'm great. Great to see Simon Harrison back. I think we've said before that 
Smith is basically writing Revere to give Simon Harrison an excuse to be as crazy as possible. And I think that's a really <laughs> nailed, um, it. I, I, nailed it. I enjoy that goal. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, let's finish off with Thrill 8 Future Shocks. Man, when you can only land one that's good, that's what that's what these Future Shocks are to me. Mm, I agree. I, I like one in here, too. Uh, first one, A Time for Peace. Script drew about Peter Hogan. Art about David Hilliger about Ellie DeVille. Um, yeah, 867 bit, uh, is a jumping on point for the prog, but before that, we got a couple future shocks just to kind of fill space before everything restarts. On the planet Earth, two countries have recyclable differences and war seems inevitable, so they go to the United Earth Insecurity Council to talk about it, but that just leads to more fighting and soon global war will break out. Break, will break out. So the local aliens intervene, but these jerks won't stop fighting. So they get, they abduct the leaders of those nations and day the earth stood still, the rest of the planet, turn off the rest of the electricity. Take a council of aliens, but the council is split too. And it comes down to the vote of the Florix, a wise and noble tree dude. But suddenly it's autumn and all of his leaves fall off and he won't be able to talk until spring. In the time between then and now, the leaders of the nations become good friends and peace is solved because that's how it goes. Hooray, the end. All right. Next up, It's a Cold World, script robot James Oswald, art robot Mike Perkins and Gina Hart, letting robot Ellie DeVille, Erwin T. Randall Holmes, an old man in an old folks' home, and he dies and has himself frozen, planned to be unfrozen once the cure for death and aging is found. Instead, though, there's a bunch of apocalypses, and 5,000 years later, Alien shows up. They revive Erwin and the other cryonauts and put them back the way they were in the old folks' home. Sucks. Finally, Clone Wolf, Peter yes. Hogan, scripter about art about David Hill, letting her about Ellie DeVille. A woman wakes up and claws her way out of a tube. She's dead. He killed her. Will this never end? It seems this lady is involved in a game of cat and mouse with an assassin named Boris. She heads out, hoping to find clues about his whereabouts, but he's waiting for her. They fight, but she gets the upper hand and kills Boris. But then Boris wakes up. And claws his way out of a tube. He's dead. She killed him. Will this never end? See, this would have been a decent, like, 30-minute short. Maybe a, a smaller film. Absolutely. I, I loved this. Just because, I, like, I didn't necessarily immediately expect it. But, like, you know, your mind's kind of lingering on it. And then you see it and you're like, yeah, fuck yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, it, if you had, if there was a movie, you'd probably have her die and, and come back a couple times, sort of yeah, run exactly. Lolo run style or something. And then the big twist at the end. And then, th- th- then, of course, you get to this big twist at the end that Boris is also a clone coming back. And, and it's like just that. like, it's when nice. did it start, really? You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And no one can remember and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, lo- I like this one a lot. That's a good, that's a good, unique future shock. Yeah, good times. Anyway. With that, we've reached the end, not just of these progs, but all the progs of 1993, Fox, sort of due to my move and general laziness. This one's here has been a little longer than most, I'm sad to say, but happy to be at the end and on to new things. But before we start getting there, I must know what's your top about them. Oh, my God. Is that even a question, buddy? Top is cannon fodder. Oh, geez, for bottom. I don't know. It's fucking time house. It's fucking Time House. I never want to see Time House again. No more Time House. Time House, never again. The The rest of them were fine. Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree. I think, you know, we sort of like Soul Gun, Mother Earth, and Revere just fear for one. So, not you know, Revere, Soul I'm Gun, very excited I'm, I'm looking about. down my 
looking down my nose a bit at Soul Gun, but we'll see. Honestly, I'm looking down my down my nose at uh, at, at both Soul Gun and Mother Earth. Oh, oh yeah, idea. Mother Mother Earth starting to sound pretty on the nose. Um, and uh, you know, Dread was fine. I like this Dread story. It's fun yeah. when Dread has to sort of fight a big monster and stuff. That's I, always cool. I think, and then I think the payoff for Dread was great. Right. Yeah. Like checking in on Recyc is real fun always for yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. Seeing an immortal ripped apart by Recyc, I think that was kind of the that that was the <laughs> the shot that you were waiting for. Right, yeah. And I don't want to under- underestimate Dirt Dermot Powers art in that story was really fun, oh, as beautiful. was uh, of course the scare in the Christmas story. Um and then Stronium Dog's fine. Well, like uh, I'd say it's uh. It's inoffensive, which is which the, is it's that's a the decent, most I can ask. I feel like yeah. I mean, I feel like that's again. I wouldn't have put it on the chopping block unless I yeah. absolutely had to. Exactly, and so that takes us to Time House, which I don't care for at all. Time and House, Cannon fodder, go away. And Cannon Fodder, which I feel like had was generally silly, had some really fun art, just feelings of creepiness as we're walking through the dead heaven, and then just the reveal of the reincarnated god is a real, see, this like, is, this is that the, is fun. The thing that I love about Cannon Fodder is, is that, like, it's not a joke a minute, it's joke in context, right? Or, yeah, and, just and, and, like, this, not even really yeah. all that silly. It is silly just because of, like, you know... He's got a crop top and a fucking massive gun or whatever. He's a priest with sunglasses. Yeah. But I feel like everything else, there are stakes, like throughout the whole thing. And all of the art carries it through. It's like, oh, here's a man who is held up by a couple of trees. All like he's lo- he's lost half his torso and he's just being pinned mm-hmm. up through a thousand needles and it looks fantastic. And you're kind of going through these worlds. You're you're seeing it from multiple vantage points. It's fucking really good. It's really, really good. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's just that they don't really actually make a very big deal about it, but there are just these little pieces of cannon fodder that are very that feel very much pointed at making fun of the current crop of like superheroes and things like oh, that. Yeah. Sort of, you know, oh, like yeah. cannon having these aviators and like, you know, beating people up and being crazy and, about well, it. And and stuff literally like that. for for most of the comic he's getting the shit beaten out of him. Right. It's basically uh martial law, but where that joke is just one joke of or one thing of many with the overall story as opposed to where it's the main focus of in martial law, for instance. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. We should read martial law sometime, Fox. I'll I'll try to find a way to That'd schedule it in. Yeah, it's good. Anyway. Martial Law. Yeah. By by uh, Pat Mills and uh, and uh, Kev O'Neill, the Nemesis, the Warlock uh, founding team. It's great. Ooh. It's great. Yeah, good times. Anyway, I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitch, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or our podcast site at spacespinner2000.com. Feel free to contact spacespinner2000 at gmail.com on the 2080 forums or our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. On Twitter, we're at Space Spinner 2K. For everything else, Space Spinner 2000, we should be there. And hey, drop us a rating or review wherever it is you're listening. It helps out. This show is brought to you by Steve Green, Robert Hardingham, and your friends, the 2080 forums. If you'd like to join them, help support the show, we'd appreciate it. Check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash Cradline. That's our podcast network. There you can support the show and get advanced episodes. Come back next time as we're just going to hit a couple detours on the road to the 1993 Spinnies, but start getting your nominations together. First, the 1993 Winter Special, Fox, with some extra side stories from various thrills. And then you and I will be stopping at a little town called Gotham City oh. as Batman and Dread showdown once more in Vendetta oh, on Gotham. Thank God. 
art by Cam Kennedy. It's one big fight. It's mostly about that ventriloquist. Uh, um, oh, cool. Batman villain. Yeah, I know ventriloquist. Should be good. Until then, I'm Conrad East Fox, and we are Space Spinner 2000. Gum, Gum Diggler Diggler Trigger! Trigger!